Well, good morning, Swerve. Intense video there. How are you guys doing? I mean, seriously, how are we feeling? How are we doing? All right, remember, I'm asking you seriously how you're doing because remember last week what we talked about, right? We just talked about just that question we ask so often, how are you, how are you doing? Um, and uh, it's become the question that we just just ask and walk away a lot of times if you're, if you're honest, right? I ask coworkers at work, hey, how's everything, how's your week? And I'm continuing to walk, like no care of actually what their response is. And uh, we, we were challenged last week to look at that question a little bit deeper, right? How are you really doing? Like, seriously, how is your heart? How is your mind? How's your soul? How's your strength? How are you doing? And so that's what we're looking at, and that's what we're discussing in this entire series, Masquerade. If you're here for the first time, let me stop, pause a little bit. Thank you for coming. I'm so excited that you're here to join us today. Uh, welcome to Swerve Church. If you, uh, you've been here, but you probably missed a week or just kind of need us to regroup a little bit, let's do that. All right, so we're in week three of Masquerade, and this series, as you just heard, is all about dropping the mask, right? It's so hard to put on this mask, this role that we play, our identity that we, we play with on Facebook or wherever or at work, and we put on masks to hide certain things from other people um, and to hide them even from ourselves. And it becomes, it becomes so real to us that a lot of us actually begin to fail to realize who we really are. Like, you don't even know how to answer that question anymore. And you refer back to who you are on Facebook or who you like to be. And so this entire series we're talking about, man, God already knows, right? He already knows who you are. He created you intimately. He knows you. He knew you in your mother's womb. He has created you with purpose, with passions, with strengths, with weaknesses. He knows. But yet we tend to put on masks because for whatever reason, we're going to look at that a little bit more today. But we're talking about this because it's so important, right? It's so important in our time to understand that our mask, that mask that we put on, doesn't fool God. And so in week one, Danny and I, and we, we looked at the book of Genesis. We said it started way from the very beginning of time. This is not a new issue. This is not something that we just struggle with. It's not a result of technology and whatnot. It's not Facebook's fault, all right? Um, but it's something that man has struggled with from the very beginning of time. And so we looked at Adam and Eve. And you guys know the story, right? God put them in this garden and it was paradise. Everything they would ever need to enjoy life. God himself was with them. So imagine that. It's a beautiful life to live. And yet God just gave them one restriction and we know what that was, right? Hey, just don't eat from this fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Stay away from that. And of course, they fall to that temptation and they sin. And then we saw that they run away and they hide, right? Like so many of us, we sin, we fall, and we hide from God. And we looked at that story, and we saw how God was calling out to Adam and Eve, right? He was calling out to Adam. And now we pause there, and we say, hey, does God not know where Adam is? No, he, he knows exactly where Adam is hiding. But what is he doing here? Adam, where are you? He's inviting Adam to drop the mask and to, for himself to reveal it, to come out and say, God, here am I. And so God invites us today, and he's inviting us throughout this series, whatever mask you're wearing today. To drop the mask, he knows and he loves and he cares. And we looked at how he clothed Adam and Eve, right? How he took skin and he clothed them. He, he sacrificed the lamb and he killed and he, he clothed Adam and Eve so that now you and I can look and say, hey, though we are sinful, Christ on the cross paid our sins and clothes us. And we are free to walk, to live, and to live in joy and excitement for what God has done in our lives and what he's doing through us. Amen. And so that's the challenge. And what I want to invite us today is continue to look honestly at yourself and at your life. 
What is the mask that you're putting on today? And, and what I really want to focus in on is this idea of freedom and, and, and forgiveness that we experience when we drop our mask. We said that, hey, when you drop the mask, you will truly now begin to experience freedom. You will now truly begin to experience healing and forgiveness. And so what I've titled today's message is very simple, Hiding Your Sin. Hiding Your Sin. I want to tell a quick story about three pastors who were at this conference. And uh, they were at this conference. It was a pastors-only conference, and uh, there's, a lot, there's tons of information thrown at them. And so at the end of one of the days, they decided, hey, let's just go to our rooms and let's just spend some time in prayer. It's wise, right? I mean, so those of us who've probably been to conferences, youth retreats or whatnot, you can know that there's tons of information, right? And it's always wise to pull back and to pray and to process things. And so they decided, let's go to the room and uh, let's pray. And then one of the pastors said, hey, I think it would be a great idea if honestly we can not only just spend time in prayer, but let's confess our sins, our starkest secret sins to one another and, and pray and trust that God will bring healing and forgiveness. And so they decided to go do that. And the pastor's idea, who threw out the idea, said, I'll go first. And he said, man, honestly, I've been really struggling with gambling lately. So much so that, man, I'm hiding debt that we've accumulated because of my gambling problem. I'm hiding it from my wife. She doesn't even know how much in trouble we are with our finances. And I'm struggling and I need your prayers. And so the pastors laid hands on him. They began praying for him. And, um, and, and it, it, they felt a sense of relief and, and joy. And so the second pastor says, man, okay. You know, guys, I've been really struggling with this issue of just laziness, and, and, and I really don't, I'm honest, I love my people at my church, I love serving them, I love being their shepherd, and, but man, it's gotten to a point where on Sundays I'm not prepping for my messages, I'm so lazy throughout the week, so overwhelmed, that I just copy the sermons from online, and that's what I'm giving them every week, literally just word for word from the internet. Um, and, and I don't want that to be. I want to be able to spend time in the Word and to hear from God because God has a special message for His people. I love them. And so they laid hands on him. And they prayed for him. And then it took some time for the third pastor. He kind of hesitated to, to share what his darkest secret was. And after a little bit of time passed, he says, all right, guys, um, this is my secret sin. And he goes, I, I, I struggle with gossip. And he goes, I just can't wait to leave this room right now, honestly. Man, and so like they're like, oh boy. But he, the, how thankful they must have been at that moment that he decided to confess his sin at that moment and not conceal it, right, and not hide it. And so that's what we're going to talk about is these choices we have. The first choice you have when you sin is to conceal your sin. Conceal your sin. Now, if you're taking notes at Swerve, we hand you those bulletins. We love to um, just give you the opportunity to share your notes, to write your notes down. Uh, if you're a note taker, if not, that's cool. You can follow along with it. Um, it's a good tool for you throughout the week to go back, uh, check what we're saying for yourself, read it up, and just pray on the notes. And so for you, those of you taking notes, conceal your sin. Those are two, those are, that's the first choice. You sin, now you can hide it, right? Now there's several reasons why we will choose to hide our sin and conceal it. So some of us, we're just straight out embarrassed of our sin, right? We're just so ashamed of the struggles that we're going through, and it's just easier, if we're honest, to hide it from other people, right? And we put on a mask. I'm not going to, I'll put it on, whatever. I wasn't going to put it on, but we put on a mask. This is my wife's mask. Right? And we, just leave that here. And we cover our sins and we conceal our sins and we cover them up again. We saw that in Adam and, and Eve in the garden, right? As they concealed their sin, then they took the bite of the fruit and they, they go on their hide. And do you remember what Adam, does anyone remember what Adam did to conceal his sin or what he said? He tells God it's, it was her fault, right? It was Eve. In fact, God, you gave me this lady, 
Right? And so he, he hides it by passing on the blame to, to Eve. And, and then does anybody remember what Eve says? He goes, no, well, it was the serpent. Thank you. Right. It was the serpent. And so there's so many stories. It starts from Adam and Eve. But so many stories in the Bible that we can look at sin and then a cover-up of sin. Sin and then a cover-up of sin. Sin some more, we'll cover it up some more. But my question is for us today, is for you, how about you? The truth is what? We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. Let us understand that from the very beginning. We've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. The reality is some of us have sin eating up at us right now. Something that you've concealed long enough. Something that you've hidden. And what I want to invite you today, and I pray that you feel the invitation, the tug of God's spirit to confess that sin today. The Bible says this about concealed sin and confessing in the book of wisdom, which is the book of Proverbs. And it's in your notes as well. It says, the one who conceals his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them will find mercy. I want to repeat that again. The one who conceals his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them will find what? Mercy. Mercy. Clearly, we can see that confessing our sin is the right thing to do, but it's hard, right? It takes courage. It can be difficult, and it takes trust. It takes trust that, God, as I confess my sin, that you truly will pour mercy on me, that you truly will love and accept me and, and bring me in and comfort me. Because there's so much at risk if I continue to conceal, if I continue to hide it. The reality is you will not prosper. It's clear. You will continue to feel hopeless. So many of us, we say, man, you know, I I, I, I come and I pray, but, you know, and I worship God on Sundays. But we fail to to confess and we fail to ask God to really search our hearts and to reveal what it is, the sin that we are hiding from others and even from God. And we walk out and say, well, I tried church and, you know, I went to Bible study. But God is calling you to confession of your sin, to understanding that he is trustworthy, that he is merciful. And as you confess your sin, you will find mercy. It's a promise there. You will find mercy. You guys know the scripture, right? For for those who, who, uh, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, right? And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful. But if you continue to conceal your sin, we got to be honest. You'll continue to suffer. You'll continue to live miserable lives behind a mask, wishing that that disguise was who you really were. But there's a second option we're here to discuss today. And the second option is the one that leads to life. And if you're taking notes, you can conceal your sin or you can confess your sins. This is where you will find hope. This is where you will find forgiveness and mercy. Instead of concealing your sin, you can confess your sin. Which would it be for you today? My prayers today, that in this room we will find freedom. We will find hope. We will find that there's mercy, that you will be released from the bondage of your sins and free to live in joy of God and who he's created you to be. That's our prayer and my prayer for us today. How many of us need some mercy today? How many need some mercy today? Now, when we confess our sins, we do so in two ways. And I want to discuss those two confessions or types of confession in a little bit. But as I said, there's plenty stories that we can look at. But I want to look at the story of King David. And it's a story where we see a sin covered up and a sin committed and a cover up of the sin. And then the revealing of that sin and how there's an invitation for mercy. Danny read that portion of scripture for us at the start. Again, it's from 2 Samuel 
chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. It's in your notes, and I believe I'm going to put it up here as well on the screen. Again, it's from 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 1 through 5. If you have your Bibles, great. If you don't, it's in your notes. It's on the screen as well. It's a story of King David, right? And King David was a man who loved God. I want to start off there. He's not just this dude who, who falls into sin and whatnot and doesn't have a relationship with God. He's a genuine man who loves the Lord. In fact, the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart. And so he's striving after God. He loves God, but yet he falls to temptation. And I want to pause there because some of us need to realize that there is not a person in this room who's not subject to temptation and to falling to those temptations. We're all vulnerable. Every single one of us is vulnerable. And so King David was a man after God's own heart, but yet we see in the story that it was springtime. And at this time, the kings went off to war. Where was David? At home in his palace. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. Paul's there. David is going to sin when, because he's someplace he's not supposed to be. He's not where he should be. He should be off with his soldiers, with his brothers out in the battlefield, but he's home instead. Some of us fall into the places and the sins we're at because we're not where we're supposed to be. God calls you someplace else and you know it. God calls you to do something else and you know that you deliberately disobey, that you are aware of your disobedience and now you're in sin, you're in a mess. And it's because you're not where you're supposed to be. David wasn't where he was supposed to be. And so he stood home and it says this. He woke up and he was walking around the rooftops and he saw a woman. The Bible says it was a beautiful woman. And it says that he saw her and then he walked away. No, right? He saw her like he looked and he looked and he looked. She was beautiful. She was naked and he saw her. And David doesn't bounce his eyes and say, God, forgive me, I'm going to go back down. He stays and he looks at her. And the more he looks, the more he lusts, the more his heart and more his flesh and the desires of his flesh overcomes and overtakes what he knows in his mind. And that's where some of us are. Like we know in our head that what we're doing at night or what we're doing during the day or where we're at or what we're spending most of our time, we know that it's not good. We know that it's not the best. Sometimes it's not a matter of sin. In this case it is, but for some of you it might not be a matter of sin, but it's what's good and what's best. Right? We get caught up sometimes whether this is not sin, but you know is it the best thing for you. And so we allow our minds to be overtaken by the lust of our flesh. And you see that David as he's looking and he continues to look and he saw this beautiful woman. And he does what? He allows his flesh to overcome and he knows what in his head that he shouldn't be doing this. But then he looks at his messengers, hey, can you find out who that beautiful, gorgeous woman is? And the, the guy looks at her and he says what? He goes, he tells him, um, King David, this is uh, Bathsheba. Um, she's married. So she has a husband. He's out in battle where you're supposed to be. He doesn't say that because he probably fears his life. But he's like, she's, she's married to Hariah, right? The Hittite. And he's out there and she, she's taken, buddy. And you would think David would be like, oh, okay. She's taken. Cool. Uh, she's pretty. Let me go back downstairs, though. He doesn't care, right? He doesn't take the warning. And he still sends for her. And so he sends for her and she comes up and they sleep together. They sleep together. Where does this story here end? Someone yell it out. What happens? I heard the response when, we, when David read it. She was what at the end of this? She was pregnant. In just a few verses from verse 1 through 5, King David's life is completely changed forever. In five verses. 
And, and we laugh, but then so many of us, man, you think of your life and you're like, man, I just gone like, you know, oh, just like this, this week alone, like my life was changed. It's like things can change so quick in our lives, right? In just a few verses. And we wonder why. That's the power of sin. Sin has the power to strangle us, the power to control and to destroy our lives in a moment. In a moment. Sin has that power and that grip on us. And David in five verses goes from this man who after God's own heart and he falls into the sin. He sleeps with, 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 with Bathsheba and she's pregnant. Now what? What is he going to do? He, he's going to cover this up, right? And so many of us find ourselves in situations where um, what do we do? We run. We try to cover up the situation. Um, we try to cover it. And that's what David immediately does. He finds out she's pregnant. And now he has to have come up with a plan, a pretty good plan. And so his first plan is what? If those of you who read on in the story in uh, 2 Samuel, will find that he comes up with a plan. He says, hey, why don't I call his wife, back, his hus- her husband, back from the battlefield. I'm going to invite him back. You know, you get to spend the night with your wife. I'm hoping that he sleeps with her. And so then nine months later, when the baby comes, there's no question whose child it is, right? Great plan. The only thing is, David didn't realize how much of a man, how, how, the, how, how, his, how her husband was a man of dignity. And he could refuse to sleep with his wife while he knew that the men, his brothers, were out in the battlefield. And that's where he really belonged. And so he spent the night outside and he did not sleep with his wife. King David was bummed. It's like, all right, plan B. So many of us have plan A. It doesn't work. We're still not ready. Plan B. And so plan B was what? He goes, I'm going to get this dude drunk. If I give him some wine and he's drunk. Surely this, he will sleep with his wife. You know, I'm sure this will happen. Does it happen in plan B? He still, as a man of dignity, does not sleep with his wife. And now David must be fuming, right? He must be furious. And what is it going to take? And the story continues with another cover up a tragedy. Right? And this is the danger when we continue to conceal our sin. We continue to refuse to confess and we take step A, step B, and eventually sin doesn't only affect our lives but ruins the lives of those around us. And this family is going to be ruined forever because he plans he was what? He's going to now send them back and he says, send it right into the front of the, bat- of the line so that he's in the heat of it and surely he's going to be killed in battle. And he was. Let's look at that story and how that unfolds in verse 16. Again, it's still in 2 Samuel 11, but we're going to go down to verse 14. I'm going to read verse 14 to 15. It says, The next morning David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it to Uriah. In the letter he wrote, Put Uriah at the front of the fiercest fighting, then withdraw him so that he is struck down and dies. It's a story now of how sin turns and is not just affecting David's life and David's future, but families. And it's the danger, brothers and sisters, as you continue to conceal your sin. And some of us are in that place and we see already how it's affecting our children. We see it already how it's affecting our loved ones, how it's affecting our community, how it's affecting your church. And David now goes out and sends that letter. And verse 16 continues, when Joab was besieging the city, he put Uriah in the place where he knew the best enemy soldiers were. Then the men of the city came out and attacked and some of the men from David's soldiers fell in battle, included Uriah. He died now in battle. And so word gets back to Bathsheba, and she is 
devastated. And she's in mourning. And King David, the coward that he is at this moment in his life, instead of at that point confessing or just totally, you know, he goes and he comforts her and he comforts her in the morning and then he takes her as his wife while she is in mourning. He takes her as his wife. And so things spiraled completely out of control as went to plan C to cover up his sin. Things definitely spiraled out of control here. Remember Proverbs 28, right? The one who conceals his sin will not prosper. How is it that you are trying to hide your sin today? For you, maybe plan A is I'm going to delete this from my phone. I'm going to delete it from my computer. I'm going to clear the search history. Maybe that's plan A. That doesn't work out. Plan B for you is I'll just lie. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. I don't know who went on that side. I don't know well, who bought that here. I don't know how that ended up in my pocket. I don't know, you know, whatever it is. And you just lie. And if that don't work, some of us go to plan C and do what Adam and Eve do in the garden, right? And they blame someone else. They pass it on, right? You say, I'm just going to deflect this, this guilt and I'm going to pass it on to someone else. If I wasn't in this position, God, that you put me in, then I wouldn't have sinned, right? And so you know now, you know you're caught. So there's no more hiding it. So instead of hiding it, well, it's because of this. It's because of that person. It's because of you. God, why? And we do that. And so we choose to conceal our sin Instead of confessing it. And the Bible is clear that soon that sin will find you out. Hear this, what Jesus says in Luke 8, verse 17. You can write that verse somewhere on the top of your notes on the side. I don't believe it's in your bulletins. I didn't want to put too much there. But if you want to look at Luke 8, chapter 17, Jesus says this. He says, for there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. It's Luke 8, chapter 17. There is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed. In our story, it picks back up when God, in his mercy, is going to reveal to David that he already knows and he's going to reveal his sin. And he sends Nathan. It's a new character in the story. Nathan's a prophet and God sends Nathan to David in his mercy to let him know that his sin is known. And though he probably thought he got away with it, right? Plan C finally worked. He married her. Now they can have a child. They covered it up. He probably thought it worked. And God in his mercy says, no, we know what you did. I know what you've done. And I'm going to bring it out to the open. He sends Nathan. And Nathan tells him a story. And he tells him a story of a, a man who has many uh, many sheep, right? And he has, he has plenty of that. And he's rich. And he has a whole bunch. And then he tells him there's another guy who only has one. And that man loves that one and he takes care of it, he considers it a pet, like someone is part of the family. And, but there's a visitor and he comes down and, and the rich man wants to prepare a meal, he wants to give something to them. And instead of going through his many that he has, he goes to the one man who has just that, that poor man has one. And he takes that one instead of providing from the plenty that he has. So remember, King David is a king, and he has a palace, and he has so much, but what did he do? He go for that one. He took what wasn't his, and so David just gets upset at the story, like, man, that person surely deserved to die. How horrible that is. You know, that, that rich man, how greedy. And then Nathan throws it at him and says, well, God is saying, this is you. This is you. And that sounds like a frightening thing, right, when Jesus says that nothing we, we do can, will, will be hidden for long. And when we hear David and how that ends up and how his sin is revealed, it, it's, a, it's, a frustrating, it's a frightening thing. 
right? I'm not going to sugarcoat that. It is scary. But at the same time, I want to tell you it's beautiful. And it's God's mercy. It's beautiful because it's freeing. It's freeing because the Bible tells us this wonderful news that when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, right? And cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God in his love for David sent Nathan to confront them of his sin and ultimately this draws Nathan to confession which we will see. And for some of you here today, God in his love and mercy might be convicting you and confronting you right now in your sin. And so as Nathan confronts David, I want to challenge perhaps God is confronting you today. Perhaps God is confronting you today. And so there's two types of confessions that are important for us to find. I want to go into that for the remainder of our time today. For us to find freedom from our bondage of sins, the first type of confession we're going to talk about is confess to God for forgiveness. We go to God and we confess, confess to God. Why? We confess to God for forgiveness. We confess to God for forgiveness. Immediately after David's sin is exposed by Nathan, he, he goes on and he writes probably one of the most popular psalms, definitely one of my favorites, Psalm 51. And it's in your notes. And it's going to be up on the screen in a second. But it's a beautiful, beautiful prayer. In Psalm 51, just verse 1 through 2 first. David says, he says, he cries out to God, be gracious to me. God, according to your faithful love. According to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion. Completely wash me, wash away my guilt. And cleanse me from my sin. We go to God to confess our sins for forgiveness. And some of you are going to just stay right there. And you should. Maybe you need to go home. Maybe you need to pray this. Maybe you need to spend time after our, our, our talk today. After our, our sermon. After our time. Maybe you need to stay there and say, God, be gracious to me. You are compassionate. You are merciful. Blot out my rebellion. Show me your love. And he goes on in verse 10 through 12. He says, God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. God, create in me a clean heart. And that's exactly the promise of God. When you confess and you repent of your sins and God forgives you and cleanses you, guess what? The Bible says that you are now a new creation. You have been made new and you will no longer need to walk in your sin. But it says what? That the righteousness of Christ is what covers you. Jesus is now the one who's paid your price. And guess what? When God looks at Jesus and he looks at the sins that you and I committed, he looks at you as if you are Jesus, pure. And he looks at Jesus as if he is the one who's committed all that. And Jesus pays our price for your sins and for my sins. And some of us need to cry out, God, give me a clean heart. And then I love when he says, restore the joy of my salvation to me. And some of us are there. Some of us are saying, man, I can think back when, God, I found joy in reading your word. I can think back, God, when coming to church, when fellowshipping with brothers and sisters was something my heart longed for and I enjoyed it. But I'm not in that place and your sin has pulled you away and you just feel this dryness, right? 
But a few months back, we went through a series that God is a God of the mountains. He's a God of the valleys. He's the God who calls you when you are in your deepest place and he restores and he gives hope and he makes beautiful the things that just look completely ugly in our lives. That's the God I serve. That's the God you serve. That is the God that we worship here today. God, restore the joy of the salvation. Restore to me what what it was. Don't let me go back to this, God. And so David confesses to God and he's crying out for mercy. He's crying out for God's faithful love. He's crying out, God, wash away my guilt. And so we come to God for confession of our sins, for forgiveness. And some of us, we stop right there. And trust me, God forgives and he loves you. But then you do this and you go back and you see yourself falling into sin again. And some of you are like, man, but I confess to God and I know he's forgiven me. But I continue to do it and I continue to do it. And you, and you I confess to God. And then you say, well, what is it that you're struggling with, brother? And you're like, uh, and you, the mask goes back on and you never reveal it. And what you're going to find, you're never going to find now what's called healing from that sin. And that's why our next point is so important. We confess to people for healing. Now, confessing to God might seem so easy. Right between me and God, and we, we when, when we're confronted, say, hey, you, why don't you share your sins, to share with us what you're going through so that we can pray for you. And it's like, no, I don't need that. I just need God, and I don't need the church. I just need God. It's dangerous, brothers and sisters, with that attitude if we have it. It's dangerous. We confess to God with no hesitation or very little hesitation, but it gets difficult when scripture talks about community, when it talks about accountability, when it talks about the importance of community and being transparent, it could be easy to confess to God, but difficult to confess to one another. But let's look at what James says in James 5. It's in your notes. He says this, James 5, verse 16, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. You see, I've been incredibly blessed by some of you here today and some of you, some, some uh, people who have trusted me and to counsel them and have trusted me to, to pray for them. And I've, I've been blessed to see how just all of a sudden you can just see it in their faces. Just, just wait. And that's what happens. And I've been blessed myself to be on the other end where I know that there have been brothers and, and who I can come to, who I trust and who know, I know love me, love the Lord. And there's wisdom in knowing who to approach things with, right? And we can talk about that another time. But I've been blessed to be able to come and to confess my sins and find healing through it. And so I want you to feel comfortable today. This is why life groups are so important. This is why gathering together is so important. So that we can find healing, we can, we can lay down our guards and we can say, man, this is something I've been struggling with and God forgives me, but I know I need healing. And so we need to confess it and you'll see that all of a sudden it's like now you're no, no longer carrying it on your own, right? And that's the problem. So many of us are carrying the burden of our sin on our own and you're not created to do that. God has not designed us to walk and to live our lives alone and to carry the burden of our sins on our own. Jesus carries that. He gives us the church and he says, gather together, pray for one another, love on one another, be a family. And I say it every week. We say it every week. We're not like a family, but we are family. 
We're not distant cousins who get to see each other every week or whenever there's an event. We are family. We need to be close. When my children are in wrong, you guys are correcting them. When we are in sin, we are gathering in love and faithfulness and trusting one another to, to confess sin and to find healing. That's what family does, right? And so we are family. The temptation you're carrying is too heavy to carry alone. So when you finally confess it, we find relief. Because you just know now there's someone else in your corner to fight with you, right? There's someone else in your corner. Brothers, sisters, we're in each other's corner. We got each other's back. Amen? That's why the body of Christ is so important. It's God's wonderful plan. God's amazing plan. God's love for his bride, the church. That he's given us one another so that we can sharpen, we can confess, we can find healing. And I love that God has brought me to this place. I love Swerve Church. I know Swerve Church loves me and my children and my wife, and it's just a blessing. So if you're here for the first time, I want you to know that this can be a body for you, that you know that you can be part of a family that loves you. And I pray if you've been coming here that you feel that today, that you know that we love one another here. And so that for us, um, I just pray becomes just as so real for us. And so what I want us to do... Um, is at this time right now, man, God, God, God has called us to confess to him for forgiveness, but also for the forgiveness of, for healing. And I want you to know today that you are not alone. I want you to know that you can put down the mask. And for some of you, I brought some masks and I brought another one. And I was just going to quickly illustrate, I'm not going to do it. But man, that some of us carry multiple masks. And I just want you to feel, know that you can lay it down today, whatever that mask is, that you no longer have to carry the weight of this burden alone. That God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. And that he wants to bring you to a body, put you in a place where you can feel safe, where you can feel loved, and you can know that there is now restoration. There's hope that God is a God of redeeming. And he's called us to a new life. A life of fellowship with him. A life that sin has sought to destroy and break the bondage that we have with God. And there's this vertical reconciliation with God the Father. And that he's also restored us to one another. As he died on the cross, Jesus lays his life down willingly. Not because he had to, but because he wanted to. Because he loves you and I. While he could have gotten down from the cross, he says no. He says, I love my brothers. I love my sisters. I love the church, God. And I love you, Father. And in obedience, I give my life. And he takes on the full wrath of God. And he cries out, my Father, why have you forsaken me? As he experiences the separation from God the Father. And he rises again three days later after being hung, put on that cross. And he finds victory. And we find victory in Christ. The very power that raised Jesus to life, the Bible says, the very power that lives in you and I. And so the invitation today is simple. Drop the mask. God is waiting. He forgives you of your sins if you confess. The Bible says, what do we do? We just, as long as you repent of your sins. And that just says, simply, man, turn from it. Turn, don't, don't go back. Turn from your sins. Go the other way. There's not a special prayer that I can lead you in. I will pray with you. But that's not going to do it. Man, you need to repent of your sins. You need to recognize that God is not just uh, my Savior and saves me, but now he's my Lord and he's the one I live for and he's the one I'm going to give my life to. And as I repent... He is faithful and just to forgive me. And then we invite you to family. We invite you to gather with us. And to fellowship and to walk this journey and this life together. Because it's what it is, right? It's what it is.
And so I just want to ask you guys to bow your heads where you're at, and we're going to pray for the next two minutes um, before Danny comes up and closes us out. And we just want to ask God, for those of you today who are here for the first time, and um, or for the first time you are just, God's tugging at your heart, and you know that, man, he's calling you out of the sin that you're in. I want to pray for you today. Um, remember, this prayer is not something that you're going to pray and walk out of here, and that's it. But I want to encourage you to pray with me. I want to encourage you to, to, to cry out. I want to encourage, encourage you to continue to seek the face of God until you know it. You know that you've been made new. And that's what I want to do right now. Father, I pray. I pray for my friends here today, God. I pray, oh Lord, that God, Lord, I pray that you would reveal the sins in our lives, God, that has robbed us of the joy of the life that we are called to live, the life that you want to give us, Father. A life of joy and fulfillment in our God, in you, Father. And so, Father, I pray you give us the courage and the boldness to cry out, Father. God, have mercy. Forgive me of my sin. God, I have sinned against you and I know it, Father. And I have hidden from you far too long, God. And I continue to run and conceal it and hide it and hide it. But, God, I know that you are here and I know that you know. And, God, I just want to lay it down. I want to lift up my hands. I want to bow my knees. God, have mercy on me and create in me a clean heart. Father, would you forgive me? Would you show me my need for you, God? I ask, Lord, in Jesus' name. I want to pray quickly for, for the rest of us here today. And I want to pray that, man, that God will continue to, to grow us, continue to draw us out of lifestyles that, that, that have robbed us of, of, of knowing him fully and of enjoying what he's given us and for, has robbed us from really just living a life of freedom that, he is, that he's died for. I mean, man, we, we, we go through life and just, we're just robbed so much. I want to pray for you if that's you. If you feel like, man, I've given my life to Christ, but I'm just in a struggling time right now. I'm struggling with whatever. And, uh, man, I want you to know that we all do struggle. You're not alone in that. Christianity isn't a one-deal thing. It's not I came to Christ and that's it. This is a journey. The gospel applies to you today just as much as it applied to you when you first gave your life to Christ. We need the gospel. We need to know that the gospel applies to all areas of our lives. And so I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you, God. I thank you for the work that you've already started in our lives, God. God, the very fact that you brought us here, the very fact that I can open my mouth and we can open our lips and we can say, God, Father, it's by your mercy that you reveal to us that you are a good Father, that you reveal to us our need for you, God. It's in your mercy that you've done that. And so, Father, I pray that, God, the sin that has kept me and kept us from coming and enjoying you and for living out the life that you called us to live, Father, I pray that you would break that sin right now. I pray that we would experience freedom from it, God. I pray that you give me and my brothers and sisters the confidence and the trust in one another to, to come and confess our sins and to find healing from our struggles, God. I pray today there will be freedom in this place and hope, the hope of Christ in our lives, Father. I pray that it will reign so much in my life and in my brothers' and sisters' lives, God, that we would, that we would go out, Father, and shine as light in this community, Lord. You have called us to be a light. We're no longer going to hide that, but, God, we're going to cry it out. We're going to shine it, Lord, and we're going to ask Him, Father, in faith that, Lord, you use us in a mighty way for your glory. Not for mine, not for swerve, for your glory. Let the name of Jesus be lifted high. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.